0: Well, let's pray together. Father, we are thankful tonight that we come together as a church family, as brothers and sisters in Christ, and to fellowship and to share these requests and to pray together and to learn together. Father, we are grateful for this opportunity that you give us. To do so, Lord, we we're thankful for um, Lord Robbie's report and, and her appointment that, that all was well there, and um, Lord, we're, um, we we pray for Sarah as she has uh, has gone to the doctor and ready to have have the baby. We just pray that you would be with her and, and with those that uh, the, the nurses that take care of her and, and the doctor that delivers and, and the whole process. Father, may you uh, be with them through that. Uh, Father, we do pray for Mike tonight as uh, he continues to recover and get better. We do pray that, um, Father, you would be with him, be with Sheila as they um, continue to, to work through this process of, of healing and, and, and uh, gaining strength and, and getting better. And, and, Father, we just pray that you would be with them. Father, we pray for for Willie as he's uh, getting pace, the the pacemaker. Father, we pray that you would be with him. As, uh, he has that procedure done, and um, Father, we thank you for what we've heard about Bradley. as um, the the tumor's removed and in home? And uh, Father, we just thank you for answered prayer there. And uh, Father, we pray for Brett tonight as um, he's having the blood work done and the. The heart monitor, Father, we pray that you would, um, Lord, you would reveal anything that, that needs to be revealed, Father, that um, it can be um, addressed and, and, Father, give wisdom and, and uh, discernment to, to doctors and those that are evaluating those tests. Uh, Father, we pray for the, the Goad family tonight as, as they're mourning the loss of, of a loved one. We pray that you would be with them uh, by your spirit. Father, we pray for Bethany's uh, grandparents tonight, as um, they're, they're going through a, um, a change in living situation, and um, Father, and, and a lot of uh, confusion and, and, and having a hard time with things, and uh, Father, pray that you would give them peace during this time, and um, Father, we pray for Hadley tonight, and the, the tumor that, that, they found, that was found, and uh, Lord, we just pray for her, you would be with her, we pray for um, Raven tonight as they've been doing tests, and, and pray that you would reveal um, there anything that, that needs to be revealed so that it can be be addressed, Father, we, we lift all of these concerns up to you, Lord, we, we pray for healing, uh, Father, for comfort, uh, for peace for joy in in these situations, Lord, that that only you can provide, and uh, so we pray that you would do that. Lord, we pray that you would be with us tonight as we go through this material and and this study and that you would teach us, that you would um, give us eyes to see and ears to hear the truth that that we might be changed, Father, we might be sanctified and, um, Lord, become more like Jesus, and so we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Right. <clears throat> well, tonight we're, we're back to our study of living zealously. And um, tonight we're going to talk about um, what the authors of the book have called um, regulation of zeal. The regulation of zeal. In other words, um, how should our zeal and our passion um, be regulated or be managed or or be kept in check? Um, How do we make sure that our zeal is appropriate? Um, So that's kind of what we're going to look at this evening in in regards to living with Christian zeal, with holy zeal, with sacred zeal um, and passion for the Lord. So the first fact that we're going to look at and observe tonight is that zeal must be exercised in proportion to the importance of that which the person is zealous for. I think we can all agree there that it is, it's, um, it's inappropriate to be either overheated about small matters or indifferent about matters of great significance. And, and we can Again, we we understand. I think we all can can agree with that and understand that. Um, We've probably all known someone or or seen someone in a situation that was very zealous, very passionate about something that just didn't seem to be of great significance. And it's like a a mismatch kind of thing. Um, And so... You know, either to be, like we said, either to be overly zealous or, or under zealous in a given situation. Um, so our, our zeal for something, our passion for something should be proportional to its significance. Um, so if we want our zeal to be regulated, to be managed properly, then we must know what is significant and what isn't. Um, we have to know the difference between those two. Well, how, how, do, how are we going to evaluate that? How do we evaluate what we're, what we're zealous about? Um, There's a couple of things that we can use. First of all, the Word of God. We use Scripture to evaluate what is significant. Um, one category for this would be necessary Belief. So, um, in Scripture, things are set for, forth as, as being necessary for us to believe. For example, the, the resurrection of Jesus. We see this in 1 Corinthians 15. It says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're still in your sins. So, this truth and, and our belief in it are vital to the Christian life. Therefore, that is something that's worthy of the utmost zeal and passion. Another category um, would be something that Scripture tells us would be a necessary duty or or a command, a direct command that's given in Scripture. Um, For example, Matthew 6 Jesus says, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So, therefore, it's appropriate that we would pursue forgiving those who have sinned against us with the utmost zeal and in the utmost passion possible because it's a direct command from Scripture. So, so both these beliefs and commands that are listed in Scripture or those things about which we should be zealous. A second way to evaluate the significance of uh, of something in our lives that we should be zealous for is by asking this question. We can ask, does this belief or duty promote or hinder practical godliness? So, practical godliness and and righteousness um, in ourselves And also in others. Is is this object of our zeal something that will be edifying, something that will be uplifting and and sanctifying uh, to our own hearts and to the hearts of others? And so an example, again, of this would be Hebrews 10. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So encouraging, building up one another in the regular meeting together of the congregation, it's something that is appropriate for us to be zealous for. Because it it builds up. It promotes godliness. And we can... um, knowing kind of this now, what, how we evaluate what we should be zealous about, um, we then go and look at um, why is it necessary, though, that we have to have these resources that we can go to and evaluate the object of our zeal and our passion and the, the affections of our heart? I mean, why is that necessary? Why do we have to do that? And we can look at several uh, reasons. First of all, the reason that we have to do this, this is necessary because zeal is a natural inclination of man. So we're all passionate about something. This is how we're we're wired. We have passions, we have affections um, that we pursue. Things that we love, things that we we spend our time and our money and our energy on. We all have those. The issue is, though, that since Genesis chapter three, those passions and, and affections and desires have been twisted. They've been distorted. Um, and, and so we read, for example, in places like Second uh, Peter where he writes that, that, that people naturally have eyes full of adultery. Uh, they're insatiable for sin. They can't get enough of it. They, they crave it and they can't get full. And they have hearts trained in greed. Likewise, Paul, he writes in Ephesians 4, and he talks about um, have, having hearts that have become callous. The word there and what he's saying here means that they don't care about the effects of what we do. Doesn't matter, we just do what we want to do. Also, we've given ourselves up to sensuality, meaning lack of self-restraint. Lost in sin and without Christ, we don't know how to do that. We are we are full of zeal and we we recklessly pursue these sinful things that are, that our flesh desires. And we're greedy to practice every kind of impurity. Again, the idea here is that it's insatiable. It's you, you can't fill it up. You just it, it's it's unable to be satisfied. Can't get enough impurity. Well if that's who we naturally are in our, our own natural zeal and our own natural desires then obviously there's got to be some kind of regulation that comes in to, to straighten this out in some way. Secondly uh, this kind of regulation is necessary because of the presence of impetuous exorbitant zeal. So Here, impetuous means um, it's impulsive, it's spontaneous, it's hasty, it's a rash kind of thing. Um, And and we're all familiar with this. Our passions and our affections kind of boil over and they cause us to to do and say things in in the moment that we regret later. Um, Exorbitant is inordinate or, or out of order or... Um, inappropriate or unreasonable. And so we, we talked about it just a few minutes ago that we have this tendency to be overzealous of things that are unimportant and underzealous of things that are important. So therefore we need, we need this zeal in our lives to be regulated, to be managed, um, to be controlled in some way. And then so the the authors tell us that uh, of this book, they they start to talk about how uh, because these things are true, we have to have some kind of rule or some sort of standard set to to direct and to regulate the zeal that we have. And so what kind of rules do we have to do that or standards do we have to do that? Well, first of all, um, we have this extrinsic, this outside of us external rule of Scripture. Um, because we are fallen and sinful, even as believers, we, we fight this indwelling sin in us. And so we have to have something outside of us to which we look to, to get a handle on our zeal and our, and our passions and the desires of our hearts. And so the main place we look here is to Scripture. Again, to the Word. Um, Puritan John Reynolds wrote, this, sacred zeal has a perfect written rule to direct its conduct, unto which it must continually look. That's interesting. It's not a, not a one and done thing, but it's an over and over continual thing. Then I shall not be ashamed of my way or work or of my zeal or myself when I have respect unto all thy commandments. And he's quoting there from Psalm 119, and verse 6. So we look to... Scripture, to know how to to temper the zeal we have, how to direct it. Another um, external rule that we have are what what the book calls sacred graces. We would probably um, call them fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are called external because they're given to us. Um, and worked in us by the Holy Spirit. And so for each situation that we find ourselves in, that each object that we, we look to with zeal, the, these fruit of the Spirit work in us to, to regulate and to constrain our, our zeal, if need be, in the moment that we might react or behave accordingly and, and appropriately in that situation. So those are a couple of things that are outside of us that help control our zeal. Um, there's also an, an intrinsic uh, rule of zeal. So as born again believers, we're we know we're being changed into the image of Christ, as Paul writes in, in 2 Corinthians. And so we want to know how to do those things that are, are working inside of us to manage our passions and desire and zeal. What what do, how do we do that? How is this done? Um, first thing that we can see is that um, this holy zeal in us—it's regulated by, or managed, or, or controlled by the object upon which it fixes and for whom it acts. And if it's holy zeal, if it's sacred zeal, then that object that we're talking about is God in Christ and the affairs of His kingdom and glory. So, um, in other words, as our zeal, then, our passion is focused upon these things, it has a sanctifying effect on our lives. If these things are the the focus and the passion of our hearts, we will become more like Jesus and and more pure and, and holy as the days go on. Secondly, we see that this zeal is controlled by the love of God. But because we love God, our zeal is in place to, to adoration and to praise of Him. He is the one we look to, He is where our affections go, both praising Him and, and doing good works in His name. You see quite a few passages about that in Scripture as well. Third, our, our zeal will, it will be controlled uh, by its aim to honor and glorify God. So it was the goal that we have, that we're pressing towards. Again, when our minds uh, are focused on that goal, to honor and to glorify God, our, our zeal is going to be ignited, it's going to be kindled inside of us and, and, and will flame up uh, for Him. Our desires, our passions, our affections will be for Him. Um, fourth our zeal is is regulated or controlled by the holy spirit as its cause and its anchor or or cause and author i'm sorry Um, and the the author of the the book write this such zeal is holy as god is holy it is intelligent and wise for it comes from the spirit of wisdom and truth It is full of goodness, love and kindness since such traits are the fruit of the Spirit. It is spiritual, raised above earthly motives and concerns because He is the Spirit of God and of glory. In all these ways the Holy Spirit regulates our zeal so that it is truly sacred or holy. So He is its cause and author. Lastly our zeal is controlled by its special office and um, what this means is that that our zeal is, is kind of kept in check uh, by the tasks that it does in our lives, by uh, the things it does for us. So um, it, it keeps us alert to the enemy's designs, motions, and attempts. It moves us to put on the whole armor of God. And it sustains us in this fight against adversaries of the Lord's kingdom. And so kind of as a summary, we can say this about holy zeal in our lives. Its object is God. Its operation, love. Its aim, God's honor and glory. Its author, the Holy Spirit. And its office to fight sin and everything that opposes its adored object, the blessed God um, and the uh, the authors enclose this chapter and, and they start to talk about some of the objections to this deal that we're talking about um, and, and they take these objections and they, they answer them from the writings uh, of a, a man named Samuel Ward um, and The first objection that that Ward mentions, uh, he actually preached a sermon on this, and that's where they're taking these points from. Um, The the first objection that he he mentions, do we really need Christian zeal at all? And so this is what he said. This is what Ward said. this This is what, the early 1600s? He said that his church members would come, and many times they would ask him, we profess faith, we go to church, We hear sermons just like good Christians ought to do. What else would you have us do? What else do you want? And of course, Ward would respond, but what about the passions and the desires and the affections of your heart? What are they for? What are you pursuing? That's what matters. Second objection. This was an interesting one he said some would ask him will you have us outrun our neighbors or live without company in other words if we're passionate about our christianity if we're filled with zeal for the glory of god and if we take this seriously we devote our whole lives to him what if no one else around us does what if we're alone are we just supposed to you know to be without family to be without friends um and and just go on our own. And so um, the authors of the book kind of summarize what uh, Ward's response was this way. True zeal does not ask what others think, who will make the sacrifice, and whether others will join in. It does not wait for company when duty calls. Instead, it rises rises up at the clarion call and runs with haste to the captain of the Lord's host, saying with Isaiah, Here am I. Send me. Objection three. We will have danger and trouble soon enough. Why should we invite it? By being overzealous. So in other words, if we're zealous for Christ, then we're going to stand out. And that's going to get us noticed. And it's very likely that's going to bring trouble our way. Why are we going to try to to hurry that on? with our zeal the answer true zeal fears no danger but focuses on a duty left undone it sees obstacles as a demand for even greater zeal dangers do not quench true zeal but serve as fuel for its fire it brings to mind to me the this verse with by the apostle paul in the book of acts but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Focusing on the duty that is left undone. Next objection. All people are not by nature as fiery at spirit as others. Why then should they seek to be what they are not? So in other words, not everyone has this high-strung, kind of extroverted, wide-open kind of temperament. They're just not wired that way. So why are you saying that we have to be that way when it comes to Christ? And to this, would respond: examine your life. Look at your life and see if there's not one single area of your life where you're passionate about, that you're zealous about, that you care deeply and you're moved by desire to chase after that thing. And if you can find anything in your life, and I would argue we all can, that that, is that way, then the problem's not with your temperament or how you're wired. The problem is that Zeal that you have is not holy zeal and it's not channeled in the right direction after the right object. And finally, objection, um, he said that some object and say they don't have time to devote to the study and work of religion to which the authors respond here, true zeal is ablaze for God and therefore makes time for the things of God while it is yet day because the night cometh when no man can work. In other words, we make time for the things that we want to do. Um, And this section on on the objections, it, it concludes this way. All of these objections fail because they seek to pamper and to please self. To protect it from harm or cost and to guard its freedom. True zeal, on the other hand, seeks the death of self. As brings to mind Jesus speaking. Talking about taking up our cross and denying ourselves and following him in obedience. And so next time, when we come back, we'll actually start to look more at um, what are these proper objects of our zeal. What should we be zealous and passionate about? And so we'll we'll see that next time. So let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for this study. We do pray Father that you would Lord ignite our hearts. Father that we might have this Lord passionate and, and zeal to to worship and to obey and to seek after You, to be with You, to abide in You. Lord, that You would would work in us, Father, and work through us. Lord, I pray that You would take this, Father, as we we go this week, that You would, Lord, it, it would be something that we would just, chew on and and, and keep digesting and keep meditating on. Um, Father, that you might use it to, to change us and to teach us. And so, Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.